0: Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. The United States has threatened a range of economic sanctions against Russia if it doesn't roll back its takeover of the Crimean Peninsula. Secretary of State John Kerry will visit Kiev tomorrow. Also, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway sees record profit, and China's leaders face a slowing economy as they set growth targets this week for 2014. We'll be looking ahead to the National People's Congress. It's set to get underway in Beijing this week. We'll be speaking with Julian evans pritchard China economist at Capital Economics in Singapore, and we'll also be speaking with Steve Wong of the Reorient Group. Steve will give us an update on how Hong Kong companies have been doing in terms of their operating Results, But first, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry on the gambit from Vladimir Putin. He's going to lose on the international stage. Russia is going to lose. The Russian people are going to lose. He's going to lose all of the glow that came out of the Olympics, his $60 billion extravaganza. He is not going to have a, a Sochi G8. He may not even remain in the G8 if this continues. Uh, He may find himself with asset freezes on Russian business. American business may pull back. Uh, There may be a further tumble of the ruble. Uh, There's a huge price to pay. British Foreign Secretary William Hague was calmer but still firm.
1: We have to recognize the, the sovereignty and the territorial integrity of Ukraine has been
2: violated, and this cannot be the way to conduct international affairs. So in addition to calling yesterday's emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council, uh, the United Kingdom will join other G8 countries uh, this week in suspending our cooperation
0: uh, under the G8. The U.S. Secretary of State will be in Kiev tomorrow to stress American political and economic support. He called Russia's move, quote, an incredible act of aggression. This is not about Russia and United States, it's about the people of Ukraine. And we ask President Putin to step back from being in violation of the UN Charter, in violation of the Helsinki Final Act, in violation of the 1997, uh, Russia-Ukraine basing, uh, agreement. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry. And as you see, Ukraine is in the midst of a tug of war between the West and Russia. And as you heard in our news earlier, uh, several leaders uh, in Ukraine having to uh, decide which side to to align themselves with. And we've seen many defections. Markets are taking it reasonably well, although there is a downside bias this morning in Asian trade. The Nikkei is down 157 points. That's about 1 percent and 14,000. 683. In Australia, the ASX 200 down 46 points. That's almost a 1% drop. And in Seoul, the KOSPI is down about two-thirds of a percent. In currency action, the U.S. dollar is now worth 101.36 Japanese yen. So the yen strengthening against the dollar, although the dollar has strengthened against other key currencies. And the euro is now at 1.377 U.S., the pound at 12 Hong Kong dollars and 99 cents. And gold, has moved up $15 in Asia to $1,337.30 an ounce. U.S. manufacturing and consumer confidence improved in February. Housing stabilized last month in the U.S., indicating to some economists that the U.S. economy is getting past the effects of bad weather. The ISM Chicago index uh, for manufacturing unexpectedly increased. 59.8 was the reading this month from 59.6 in January. Other reports showed household sentiment edging up, pending sales of existing homes, not much change change there the economy grew at a slower pace in the fourth quarter than previously estimated hence michael gayed from pension partners is not so sure that the weather was the main culprit for the slowdown
3: well i think when you look at 30 year treasuries in general the bond market does not seem to suggest it's as much about weather as it is maybe about possibly some kind of a slowing down or removal of this idea of escape velocity in the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stock market obviously has completely disregarded that notion. Yeah. Uh, but it is, I think everyone has to ask themselves how is it after this 30% rise in stocks, how is it after this supposed huge wealth effect from last year,
0: retailers haven't really performed all that great? Yeah, I, how is it, the yields have been falling despite the Fed taking? And uh, he doesn't think that interest rates will normalize anytime soon. You cannot normalize rates unless you normalize growth and inflation. Inflation has not
3: been normalized, despite trillions of dollars pumped in by the Fed, despite this supposed wealth effect that's supposed to be benefiting the consumers. There is no real demand-pull inflation. The only way you're going to get inflation is not from the Fed. I think it's from commodities, from cost-push inflation. We have to ask ourselves, what's happening in the mechanism here uh, where inflation is not being created? If it's not coming from the Fed, it probably has to come from the emerging economies. If the emerging economies are right in the way they've underperformed and
0: in their anticipation of future earnings growth, then I think the U.S. stock market is very, very wrong. Bond specialist Tony Crescenzi at PIMCO doesn't see inflation going up until wages rise. Higher wages. 70% of all inflation comes from wages. As, I, as we sit here in these tall buildings in New York, you think about what's the biggest cost to all these employers. It's wages. It's not nickel or tin or palladium or tallow or zinc or, zinc or any of that. It's, it's wages. Well, we're joined on the line now by Andrew Sullivan, who's head of sales trading at Maybank Kimeng Securities. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. And thank you for stepping in on short notice when one of our other guests fell ill. It's, a, right. it's a pleasure to have you back on. Um, Ukraine is very much in the um, spotlight this morning, uh, may not affect us so badly here, but uh, we do see downward pressure this morning. Uh, is, is Ukraine likely to upset markets globally in these couple of days?
1: I think we seen that i think certainly in the u.s you saw investors cautious over the weekend in case things uh, escalated and certainly looking at the movement on the yen again you're seeing this uh, safe haven assets mentality coming back to the market so yes it will, will have an impact
0: so we see the dollar as a safe haven u.s treasuries as a safe haven why is the yen a safe haven even to a greater extent than the dollar
1: well, I think it's just the policies there and the fact that uh, certainly for the last five years that yen strength has been a, a support for many people as a, as a funding currency. Uh, and in these times, I mean, certainly the outlook for Japan is probably looking a lot more stable than some of the other places.
0: Do you play this then, uh, perhaps thinking that markets will overreact a little bit? Vladimir Putin is cagey, but he is not crazy, doesn't really want to go it alone. And at some point, um, you know, maybe in terms of markets, we may see somewhat normalizing uh, markets. It's very difficult, I think. I think that that, that one
1: of the things here that Putin also has a sort of uh, PR uh, aspect, not only at home, but also overseas and rather like, uh, you know, Obama not wanting to be seen, Putin won't want to be seen as being weak either. So it does provide a bit of a standoff. um, And. You know, there are a lot of other factors involved. I mean, Russia has its um, its, its fleet, its Mediterranean fleet base there, so it has vested interest. Uh, and also it has, you know, political levers, uh, sorry, uh, physical levers, like the gas supplies and things like that. So it'll be a very tense situation, I think, for a week or so.
0: What else are you watching closely this morning?
1: Well, I think uh, we've got a lot of data coming out of China still. Uh, The PMI data over the weekend was still above 50, but certainly export orders was down, new orders were down, although inventories were up. So, you know, we're wondering whether it's still the Chinese New Year effect or or whether things are uh, being managed well in China and that will impact on the market. And obviously we've got the MPC and the CPPCC meetings coming up. So we're looking for more policy uh, this week. And the back drop against that as well we've still got a boe meeting we've got an ecb meeting and obviously the payroll numbers out of the u.s on friday so a lot going on this week
0: the u.s economy seems to be showing some improvements after a string of weaker economic reports now we've seen a little bit of strength uh, janet yellen in her testimony said that weather was partly to blame that means that it was partly not to blame uh it means that there are other factors that could have been causing the slowdown. Now how are you reading the american economy now
1: well, I think it's, as we've said for some time, I mean, it, it, it's recovering, but it's, it's not going to be at the same pace that we've seen previously. The weather will obviously have impacted the retail aspect of a lot of the U.S., Recovery uh, and the housing side of it, but I mean the, the the net net is the fact that the U.S. is not recovering at the same pace that it has before, and we've got to really factor into the fact that it's going to be a slower recovery. But there is recovery there; companies are working, people are working, which is good news. Um, but we're really not seeing a great drive in the sales side and the revenue side yet. So companies are still being cutting costs; they haven't been working rising we haven't seen rising wages to the extent we might like uh, and obviously if people aren't earning more they're not spending more and that's going to cause yeah you know, that's the reason for the slow recovery
0: and here in hong kong as you look at our economy and our markets uh, what grabs your eye and what are you guys pushing at the moment
1: well i think the thing that grabs our eye at the moment is the fact that the results over the next couple of weeks are going to remain you know front and center for a lot of companies we saw numbers out of uh, Chung kong hutch on Friday, and that will be encouraging. We've actually got news this morning about Kai kind of thinking about raising money to buy property, which I think is probably a positive signal, although they are at the same time still saying they're going to release a lot more property. But at least you know there's interest there in the property market from one of the big developers.
0: All right. Uh, thanks very much, Andrew, for joining us here on the program. Andrew Sullivan, who's head of sales trading at Maybank Kim Eng Securities, is stepping in uh, while Barry Wood fell ill. The time is now 14 minutes after Eight o'clock and you're listening to Money for Nothing. Thanks very much for joining us. To update you this morning. We do see some weakness in markets. So oil prices now a little higher, though. Brent crude up almost $2 to $110.99. We mentioned that the yen had strength then then the dollar to a certain uh, extent. Uh, the latest reading for the RMB that we have is 6.12. And the Australian dollar is now trading under 90 cents at 89.06 cents. Say good morning to Steve Wong of the Reorient Group in our studios uh, in Admiralty. Steve, Good morning good morning i 'll ask you about um, the NPC meetings later, but let 's just go straight to the earnings that we 've had here of late uh, because Andrew yeah. uh, referred to them, and mm-hmm. uh, there have been some interesting ones. He highlighted Hutchison and Choung they seem to be able to uh, make money almost at will, squeezing uh, water out of a stone as it mm-hmm. were. Housing has been pretty weak in the last year, but uh, you saw some pretty strong news flow there overall. How have the earnings been so far?
2: In the earnings side, I think in terms of statistics, it's about half, half beating estimates and half sort of on the shooting. So it's on the balance. It's not too bad, but uh, there's not really anything that really stands out ex- with the exception of the you know, usual suspect like Macau. And uh, interestingly, PRC developer
0: actually is doing a little bit better than expected. Yes, because there has been strong sales over the past year, but then just recently we heard these rumors from some of the banks, and I think I read a little bit written by you over the weekend Mm -hmm. about ICBC and some of the other banks being told not to extend loans to the developers. How much of that proved uh, to be true versus false?
2: I think basically the banks are, in no doubt, uh, in, in the mode of uh, reconsidering their risk exposure to the property market. property market in China have expanded over 20% as a price over the last year in the major cities. So I think it's very reasonable to see banks wanting to hold off on some of the credit provision, credit
0: lending to, the, to that market, just to be more cautious. And as you look out uh, throughout this week, what, what are you fo- focusing on the most this morning? I think we're still trying
2: to figure out if there's uh, going to be any more up of price, price in the tech sector. Uh, in line, the next up, upcoming releases you know releases in terms of earnings will be things like airlines, tech, a uh, little bit more uh, telecommunication stuff. So I think we're looking towards the, the sector that may be benefiting most from the upcoming
0: uh, sessions in the MPC. Are, are you expecting a lot of M&A activity in the tech sector?
2: Uh, potentially more. I, I, we've seen a lot of that already since the, in the second half last year. So potentially the smaller guys could be still be eating up or even be linked, have some set up a joint venture with the big players. And usually people market
0: love that. Which are the areas in technology or in consumer businesses that are the hottest now?
2: okay uh, in the te- in the tech space we think anything that goes along with the uh, eco ecology eco- uh, environmental friendly themes uh, ecological uh, you know hybrid vehicles has been hot we, look, we continue to like solar wind those are kind of uh, new sector that you know will help china save energy and cut pollution on the consumer side we've actually seen some not so strong sales in terms of department stores Uh, You know, clothing, shoes, food, these kind of sectors have just performed mediocre, I would say, about 10%-ish growth. I mean, in part, a lot of the companies have indicated that the anti-corruption move has put a dent on the luxury end of uh, spending.
0: And President Xi ordered a crackdown on uh, violent terrorist activities after this tragic attack uh, over the weekend. Mm. Some thirty-three people dying. Um, the the crackdown uh, th- that we will see will that, you know, what sort of shape and form will that take?
2: Basically, uh, we seen that in 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 the past, when when very important meetings have been held in Beijing, typically there will be. Uh, large security network being, uh, being activated across the country in the major cities. But I think in this time, Kuomint uh, apparently was not part of the security network, so uh, Beijing did not catch this terror attack because they had anticipated you know, something might have come up. So in the future, uh, uh, Beijing will broaden the, the, the scope of defense system across its,
0: its country, its cities. Okay, let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the, the REMMB about trade yeah. and manufacturing. Uh, one of the things that we've seen is that uh, manufacturing has continued to slow down. We had a gauge of uh, manufacturing mm. out over the weekend down in February. Um, yet services are on fire at the moment. Um, is that a transition that the government wants or is it happening perhaps a little bit outside their control?
2: Uh, no, it's, it is definitely an engineered uh, transition. A service industry has overtaken Chinese uh, manufacturing industry already last year, so and that will be a trend, continue to be in the making because China wants to shift away from an uh, energy intensive industry of uh, rate, growing GDP basically. So I think that's going to be very important.
0: The Ministry of Commerce uh, said uh, that China has become the world's largest trading company uh, and did so in 2013, citing data from the World Trade Organization. The shift from manufacturing to services also implies a move away from exports. Does that mean that China will slip in terms of total exports over the coming years? I think...
2: In terms of slip, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody really out there expecting uh, the trade to collapse. I think export will still to continue to grow at about a single-digit pace in China. Uh, China does not want to really ha- have a big dent on its... its uh, still, in the manufacturing, with all said and done, it still will provide a lot of jobs. What they want to focus on is an upgrade of the a product that they want to export. So, as, so in turn, to earn more from... Uh, selling selling abroad
0: and much has been made of late uh, mm-hmm. about the uh, move down by the renminbi yeah. seven days in a row uh, the yen tumbling uh, on on february 28 the most uh, on record against the dollar um, now this is in advance of of Officials widening the currency's trading ban. So there would seem to be a lot of sense to this. You, you want to stop this notion of a one-way bet, which we've had for quite a long time. Do you see what they're doing with the RemMB? Well, let me put it to you this way. Is the RemMB moving on its own, or is this also engineered by the authorities? I think this is quite clearly, and we've run some statistical analysis, that this has
2: actually been put in place by the PBOC or, and SAFE. What happened in the past is that people were, were betting on two things. They were buying a and so that they can bet on the currency appreciation because it was just keep on going up every day. And then people were banking on the, the high interest rate environment saw in the second half, starting second half last year. So this, these two factors really uh, pushed a huge amount of money capital inflows into the economy just banking on these two, two, two themes. So what they have done is actually now in the interbank market they've suppressed the interbank rates, very low interest rate, overnight rates are about one handle, and with seven days about three handle. At the same time, you're losing money on, uh, if you were
0: long the B so uh, basically squeezing speculators on both ends of the stick. So, this is a healthy move in your view, and I know that your house has been actually rather um, sanguine about what all the conditions in the in the mainland economy, and uh, the fact that you don't see a hard landing coming. You've, mm. Your house has been relatively negative on on the u s economy. Uh, so before we move on to our next guest, uh, just give me your overall assessment as you look out over the Chinese economy this year. no hard landing and and no big problems.
2: Exactly. I think uh, basically we will want to look at for the new new parts of the economy to really spring up. You know, there will be a lot of uh, new ideas that people are trying to test. It's a new year of reform, internet finance is taking off. New regulations come in, so we want to see more of what that means. And of course, people will be looking at some uh, risks in the trust sector. But we think so far that has been uh, limited, and you know,
0: continuing to be uh, continued run smoothly. All right, Steve, thanks very much for joining us here on Money for Nothing. Steve Wong of the Reorient Group. one of the things we touched on with Steve, Communist Party leaders facing a delicate balance over setting a growth target for 2014, trying to sustain uh, growth and the expansion, but uh, also needing to limit debt risks as well as environmental damage and social unrest. The target uh, set by the NPC in the past was 7.5% for last year, and the new growth rate will be announced at this week's meeting of the NPC. And uh, in a Bloomberg News survey, some six 63% 63% of economists predicted the same number this year, that that number will not change. And Julian Evans-Pritchard, China economist at Capital Economics, joins us now for some discussion. Uh, Julian, good morning. Good morning. So China is kind of pledging to shift away from uh, growth at any cost. Is that a fair statement? And how does that drive what they'll be doing this week?
4: Yeah, well, we definitely think there's, there's some tension between the growth goal and between their other pledges to to rebalance the economy. Um, Because in the past, the the growth target has not really been a constraint on policy. They've always managed to meet the target by quite a large margin. But in the last few years, they've sort of been pushing up against the target. So we were quite surprised by the fact that there's all all these rumors that they're going to hold the target at 7.5. We were expecting they might lower the target, or at the very least... um, maybe emphasize the target less. Um, I mean, they already introduced a bit of leeway last year. They changed the target from 7.5 to about 7.5 in, in the official document. So um, we think they might go further. And, and it was interesting that at the G20, the PBC governor, Joel Taltran, said that they're now targeting growth between 7 and 8%. So... Um, we're looking more at that sort of, you know, de-emphasizing the, the growth target to, to allow um, a a better rebalancing of the economy.
0: Yeah, in that Bloomberg survey, I mentioned that 63% thought that we'd have the same number. 33% saw either a 7% goal or a switch to a range. You just mentioned quite a wide range, 7 yeah. to 8%. That's uh, quite dramatic. Uh, we also got a range here in Hong Kong from 3 to 4% by our financial secretary. Uh, but when you talk about this, why it's important, because growth at any cost... Um, You know, they want to keep people employed, but then they have, you know, places like Tianjin and Beijing completely choking on smog. And it's a rather visceral, rather um, visible uh, example of the costs of high growth. Yeah,
4: we we definitely think that the environmental impacts of growth is going to feature quite heavily in the MPC this year. It was already mentioned at the, um, during the press conference, during the drafting of the the government's work report, which is usually the, one of the highlights of the of the meeting, so we definitely think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on on in pollution um, and sort of making the transition that Steve was mentioning earlier from heavy polluting industries to, to service industries.
0: And what are the services industries that you like the most?
4: Well, we think healthcare is probably one of the one of the best. Um, obviously, the demo, China's demographics are are not looking great in the long run. So we think that's one area where there could be a
0: lot of potential. In the area of technology that Steve and I discussed briefly, uh, much has been made of the on-fire uh, conditions of, of some of the Internet companies, uh, like, um, well, Alibaba on e-commerce, uh, Ten Cent on mobile games, but getting into e-commerce and Baidu on search and getting into all these other areas as well. Uh, do you do you expect, I put the question to you, the same one I put to Steve, do you expect a lot of mergers and acquisitions there? And is that really condoned in China?
4: Well, um, I'm not sure. It's not something we really look at in particular as macroeconomists, but I would say that there's definitely the ongoing debate surrounding the e-commerce giants and and their involvement in the e-finance industry is very interesting and with some of their they're basically allowing the interest rate to be liberalized before the government has stepped into liberalized themselves through their sort of through their internet uh, banking products so i think there's an interesting debate going on at the moment um, about how these these banks should be these, these e-finance companies should be regulated because in a way they have an unfair advantage over the banks which have a fixed uh, limit on their on their deposit rate
0: somebody asked me over the weekend whether or not um, this e finance activities by um, those uh, internet companies that I just mentioned, uh, whether that had been given the green light or whether or not they were still thinking about how to perhaps regulate and control it. I said I think they 're in the thinking stage uh, is that yeah. right yeah so there'
4: 's um, an, on- an ongoing debate at the moment um, and it 's not really clear who who's responsible for regulating them and, and whether they've been given the green light or not. So I think that's something that that should feature in the policy debate in the future.
0: I see a headline this morning that uh, President Xi says that implementation is key to pushing forward reforms. And I'm just curious, what do you think are the biggest reforms that we might see crystallizing uh, this week?
4: Well, the MPC usually just focuses on, on some big reports and on press conferences, so there's not usually a lot of specific policy announcements. But we're expecting that they will, if they want to keep up the momentum, the momentum behind reform, they probably will flesh out more of the details of the reforms that they've they've been planning since the third plenum last November. So, one of the big ones we think is uh, reform of the state sector, because that was heavily mentioned in the local uh, congresses that happened earlier this month. So, we think that that could focus and that could be one of the focuses we could find out more details there
0: and um, briefly and finally uh, before i let you go a little quick word on the um the no longer one way bet of the renminbi the fact that it weakened uh, quite a bit over the past eight to ten days um uh, is that also something that you see as normal and something that is likely you know a smart way to do it before you widen the trading band well we are
4: we don't see the primary goal as, as being the widening of the trading band. Um, we see it as more a, as a, a, an engineered so as to reduce uh, capital inflows, which have become a gr- growing problem. One, just because they they reinforce the appreciation of the renminbi, which the um, the government is trying to the, the central bank is trying to halt intervention in, in the currency market, and it can't do that if the renminbi is increase, appreciating faster than than it wants it to. Yeah. And the other reason is that the the inflows of for capital are making it harder for the for the central bank to tighten its um, tighten monetary conditions. So we think that's
0: another reason why. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thanks very much, Julian. Julian Evans Pritchard, China economist. And just briefly on that, uh, obviously, if the currency is increasing in value, lots of people would borrow money and then shift it into renminbi and they get the the benefits on an increasing currency, along with whatever interest rate is being paid by uh, whichever institution they're with. Just 8.30 30 now, that's the end of the program. But uh, we do see more sharper selling in Asia today, perhaps um, inspired by the events in Ukraine, standoff there. The Nikkei down 281 points, 2% now. In Australia, we see about a 1% drop. Seoul is down 1%. The yen has gained, it's now 101.34, and the euro is at 1.378 US dollars. Money for nothing on Radio 3. Weather today, it's going to be cloudy with some light rain expected. Cool temperatures, maximum temperature just 18 today after hitting 22-23 in the past few days. Mainly cloudy with cool mornings until about the middle of this week. The News with Samantha Butler. The head of the Ukrainian Navy, Denis Spirozovsky, has been removed from his post after he pledged allegiance to the new pro-Russian authorities in Crimea. The government in Kiev has put him under investigation for treason. His apparent defection took place as Russian military forces strengthened their grip on Crimea. The BBC's Mark Lowen is in Sevastopol, home
1: to much of Russia's Black Sea fleet. There is no sign of a halt to Russia's military build-up in Ukraine. The newly formed government in Kiev is scrambling to respond, ordering a full mobilization of its armed forces.